Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for the latest news happening in and around Chicago. RSV is surging all across the country right now, including in Chicago, where ER visits for kids with the respiratory illness are 10 times higher now than they were in 2019. And many of those kids are landing in intensive care. RSV is often mistaken for the common cold, but the symptoms, like difficulty breathing, are more severe. And it can lead to pneumonia or bronchiolitis, an inflammation of the smaller airways in the lungs. The rise in RSV as we head into colder weather has some experts worried about what's being dubbed a triple-demic of COVID, flu, and RSV. Here with everything that you need to know is Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease specialist at Dooley Health and Care. Doctor, tell us more about this RSV surge. What makes this especially concerning with this uptick during this time of year? There's so many factors that come into play as to why all hands are on deck right now. We're seeing numbers that we haven't seen in years, and we're seeing this earlier in the season than we typically do. We see RSV every year, but it's usually later in the fall and into the winter months. And seeing numbers coming up in October and early November is quite alarming. And then the sheer volume and numbers of kids we're seeing, especially we are seeing adults as well, but especially these kids and uh, slightly older age groups than we had been seeing in the past, seeing severely ill kids in elementary age groups, Mm -hmm. uh, which has been something that is is relatively unheard of in RSV seasons. Yeah. And parents may be uncertain of how to spot RSV in, in their young children, especially compared to spotting what we've known as the common cold or the flu. Uh, this morning, doctor, I got a chance to listen to some some common noises associated with RSV, and this was from uh, Dr. O'Donovan and Children's Healthcare of Atlanta footage uh, on YouTube. And just hearing the sounds, doctor, just the wheezing, the mucus, made it even more heartbreaking for me to know that I was mostly listening to infants. So, for the parents listening to us right now, can you just break down what they're supposed to be on the lookout for? So for the most part, many kids can get sick with RSV and simply have common cold symptoms, a little runny nose, a little cough. These are kids that are not having trouble breathing, not having trouble sleeping. They're eating, they're drinking, they're using the restroom appropriately. All of that is less of a concern than a child that is listless, very weak and fatigued because they're so tired. We as adults normally breathe 16 to 18 times a minute. Mm -hmm. If you're counting your child's breaths and they're breathing, breathing more than 40 times a minute, that is very worrisome. If they're flaring their nostrils, if they're using accessory muscles so you can actually see kind of uh, their ribs going in and out, really struggling to get those breaths in, those are all things, in addition to that high-pitched wheezing or the grunting sounds that kids can have when they're struggling, those are more uh, drivers to get into an emergency room than simply a fever and common cold stuff. Pediatric hospitals are reporting dwindling space in their ICUs, though. So what should caretakers or parents think about when they're weighing whether their child is sick enough to take to the hospital? 
Well, there's definitely a hierarchy here. We don't need to go from zero to hospital unless your child is having trouble breathing. You know, certainly trouble breathing is an emergency. But if you're worried about a fever, you're worried about maybe your kid not getting enough fluids in, a call to the pediatrician to kind of discuss the crossroads as to when you need to seek intervention is very appropriate as a first step, as opposed to just going straight into an emergency room. The emergency rooms are very much inundated right now with lots of sick people, lots of sick kids with all sorts of respiratory things. So I think the most important part is, is to seek advice from your pediatrician or primary care provider first uh, to, again, pay attention to those breathing, eating, drinking, using the bathroom appropriately, and a child that's able to stay awake. They're not, they're not so listless because they're so tired from just the work of breathing that they can't even wake them up. That's obviously a very big concern. And those are things that should bring us to an emergency room, not just, again, the fevers and cold symptoms that you can try some over-the-counter medications for symptom management at home first with the direction of your pediatrician. Do we know if RSV has any long-term health effects, like similar to long COVID? Yeah, so uh, before long COVID became something that was known to all of us through this whole COVID pandemic, all viruses have had the possibility of having some long-term implications. It's not something that has been identified as a syndrome, but yes, there are children who have had severe cases of RSV who go on to have asthma-like symptoms or other symptoms that are far more protracted Mm -hmm. than just getting over a common cold illness. But if we have tremendous numbers of kids becoming ill this viral season, with RSV, we're going to have a lot of data points to follow and see exactly what some of the long-term ramifications may be for these kids in the months to come. Speaking of COVID-19, doctor, how are things looking in our area? You know, they're steady and slightly rising. So it's not anything that's blowing the rooftops off, but we're seeing, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 cases every week here. Um, you know, looking at these numbers across the board, even in my organization, we're seeing that that positivity rate staying relatively the same, maybe a little bit higher week over week. And influenza, seeing some influenza A cases kind of tracking up, it really truly is the RSV. And when you've asked me before, you know, what's going around now? What are you most worried about? It's mm-hmm. RSV right now. It's yeah. taking the lead as, as our biggest concern. And, you know, we looked at our positivity rates in our organization over the month of October, and it was over 18% for RSV. So we've got a lot of RSV cases. COVID is definitely there in the background. And then the ever-growing concern, especially if you're unvaccinated or under-vaccinated for flu and, uh, and COVID, is the possibility of getting two of these viruses at the same time, or one following the other when you haven't had a time to recover from the first, which can lead to, you know, more of a risk for hospitalization if you just can't fully recover. And the flu, where do we stand right now with that? So in my organization, we're seeing about a 10% positivity rate for influenza A. That is something, again, that is earlier uh, in the season than we usually anticipate. I've had years, you know, this is my 12th or 13th year practicing, where I didn't see a single influenza case till December, January. So seeing cases in October and November is very worrisome. Influenza A is dominating. We usually see influenza B come up on the back end in February, March, sort of later in the season. So that's why even if you've had influenza, influenza already, you already got sick in October, still get your flu shot. It can help protect against additional circulating strains that may come by later in the season before you're the unlucky one who gets flu more than once in a single season. So I mentioned this to you before, Dr. Taramina, but we are starting to hear that term triple-demic. 
It's being applied more around this this trio, right? RSV, COVID, and the flu. It sounds crazy. It sounds like something out of, I don't know, a horror movie. But what do you make of the, of the term? I think over the last couple of viral seasons, we worried about the twindemic concept, and it never really came into fruition because we just haven't had robust influenza seasons in the last couple of years. This is the year the numbers are coming up. We are seeing a more typical flu season. We are seeing more cases of RSV than we have in many years, and that's largely due to underexposure to this virus since we've all been masking and distancing and at home for the last couple of years. This is a new virus for so many bodies in our country that that's why these little ones are getting sick so uh, quickly and so severely in many cases. So with all of these, and of course, COVID still in the background, not going away, always going to have a seasonal pattern moving forward here where we're going to see COVID cases in the fall come up. We are seeing that triple uptake and it makes us as providers not discount one or the other or the other if one test is negative. So if someone may have COVID-like symptoms and takes that at-home COVID test and it's negative, mm-hmm. sure, that might mean you don't have COVID, but you absolutely could have flu or RSV. Yeah. So this is where you may need to speak with your provider about what other viral illness you may have. And please stay home if you are sick. Going to school, going to work, sending your children to daycare is what's going to spread this very quickly. Of course, you know that we can get the uh, the COVID vaccine and we've got a, an influenza vaccine. Is there an RSV vaccine? Just so we're clear. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Pfizer is close. So we will keep an eye on, on Pfizer seeing when something can come out in the market. It's been a discussion for a while developing an RSV vaccine. It was one of the candidates for messenger RNA vaccine before COVID was even something that we knew about. Yeah. So I think now we're back to the drawing board of focusing on using messenger RNA technology for more respiratory viruses and maybe a future uh, vaccine candidate that might be able to protect against flu and RSV and COVID with a single injection. So we'll have to see where the future brings with messenger RNA stuff. It's not going to help us this season, yeah. but it's definitely something we're going to need in the future. Well, the, the Washington Post reports a national shortage in amoxicillin. That's the, the drug that's being used to treat RSV and illnesses like pneumonia, bronchitis as well. If RSV is a virus, why is it being treated with an antibiotic? That's a good question, and that's important to clarify. Amoxicillin does not treat RSV. When you have a respiratory virus like RSV or flu or COVID, the risk is you've got so much inflammation going on in your lungs that you become more susceptible to secondary bacterial infections. This is why it was so difficult uh, 100 plus years ago to even identify influenza as a virus because so many people were dying of different bacterial infections. It was hard to pinpoint what was what until we realized it's the secondary bacterial infection that can sometimes be more challenging and in some cases more life-threatening. Most of these are staph and strep germs, and amoxicillin has historically been our, you know, our, our go-to antibiotic for kids especially yes. to use to protect against staph and strep germs that can come in as secondary players. We do have other options, but it is always worrisome when something that has been as readily available as simple as amoxicillin yeah. is becoming hard to find. Well, you know, we also have people who are allergic to amoxicillin. So what are those other options you were mentioning? 
So generally, especially with kids, we go on to like azithromax or clarithromycin. Those are going to be a different class of antibiotics that we use. Sometimes we think of that as like the Z-Pak. That's an option for people that are amoxicillin allergic. So we do have options, some of the cephalosporins as well, if they're not having a severe anaphylactic allergy to amoxicillin. But again, I don't like to see shortages of any of our typically readily available antibiotics. It also worries me a bit that there might be some overprescription going on. So, you know, again, if you just mm. have have common cold symptoms. It's it's the Tylenol, ibuprofen, rest, vitamins, hydration. That's going to be the mainstay. Don't be rushing to your doc for uh, a prescription for an antibiotic for a viral Very common good point. cold infection. Very yeah. good point. Realistically, right, many people are going to remain in closed indoor spaces from now on, right? The temperature's dropping. I think this weekend we get down to the 30s. Yes. Do you expect that to lead to even higher numbers of these three illnesses that we've been talking about in this area? They have Absolutely. Well, even in a non quote unquote triple demic environment, uh, going indoors is going to spread viruses. It's going to spread germs. So our best defense is going to be a good offense to be up to date on your vaccines for flu and COVID. And then again, the good hand washing, being mindful if you're around little babies or older seniors or folks that have compromised immune systems. These are people that really should not be around um, symptomatic individuals that have even cold symptoms because they can be a more severe illness in more vulnerable individuals. That's Dr. Mia Teramina, infectious disease specialist with Dooley Health and Care. Thank you so much, doctor. Have a great week. Thanks, you too. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot and was edited by Ethan Schwab. Want more news you can use? Then subscribe to our podcast. There's plenty more episodes just like this for you to listen to. And when you subscribe, leave us a rating. It helps more listeners find us and supports the work we do. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.